Welcome, everyone, to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 165, and we're reviewing Free Run Beyond Journey's End Part 1. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. So it's a little bit early for us to talk about Free Run, but I think we're going to end up doing this in three parts. I know, it's kind of a weird episode count for this series, or I'm assuming this first season which I think it's because the first four episodes were released at the same time. So I don't know if they would have considered that like one episode and then everything else would coincide with like a two core release schedule. Yeah, it is a bit confusing. Um, I just figured we'll go with 28 episodes because that's what a lot of sources say. And with that, normally we we do a max of 12 episodes, sometimes 13 episodes in a review. And I don't know, we felt like that was going to be a bit heavy to do 14 for each of uh, each of the parts of Free Run if we were to break it into two parts. So we decided to do it in three parts. So Free Run fans, uh, fans of the manga, you're in luck. You're going to have three episodes dedicated to Free Run. But I think that's appropriate because... While not a ton happens episode to episode in Free Run, there's a lot going on like in the background, a lot going on. I don't want to say behind the scenes, but it's very much a character study. And while there's not a ton of action on screen, you're getting a lot of depth when it comes to storytelling around these characters. Yeah, Free Run was an interesting series for this fall season. Um, I know a little bit about it uh, before I had realized it was part of the fall lineup um, because, as most of you know, one of my favorite J-pop music groups, Atarashigako, one of their members, uh, Kanon, is a big anime and manga fan, and this happens to be one of her favorite manga um, side note, they're actually performing in Chicago because they're doing a U.S. tour, um, I think, yeah, this week. Uh, so very excited to see that. But that aside, um, heard a lot about Freerun from her, as well as just um, in our Discord, a lot of people were talking about the manga as well and really looking forward to the anime adaptation. So um, this was an interesting one um, that I was looking forward to. Uh, but I'll... <laughs> I might get a little bit of flack for this. This first part is kind of boring. I mean, it, it does include <laughs> a lot of the stuff that Courtney mentioned, and it might have been like wrong place, wrong time for me to watch some of these episodes uh, because it, it is a slower pace. It, it, again, it's called Beyond Journey's End. It takes place after the big events with the heroes taking down the, the Demon King. So it's almost like, what happens after the happily ever after, which I think I used that phrase um, in our first impressions for fall. Uh, and it's a concept that's rarely explored, but it's just, everything just moves really slowly in this first part. Before I comment on that, I think, I don't think I mentioned how many episodes we're reviewing in this first part. It's episodes one through 10. So that's just for, for reference uh, for everybody listening. Um, but to comment on your initial thoughts of Free Run, I don't disagree. Um, again, I, like I said, there's not a lot going on in the traditional sense of like 
a lot happening on screen. Most of it is walking and talking. <laughs> talking and traveling. That's like a majority of these first couple episodes. Yeah, and I, I think there's other shows out there there that are very much character studies that have a little more going on um, in between. This one, I think, is truly at its core looking at these characters, particularly Freerun, and kind of touching on themes like regret, meaningful relationships, memories and joy, um, second chances, and touching on like the passage of time and its importance, whether it's like, what it's all relative, right? Like whether it's Freerun who feels like the passage of time is pretty short when she's talking like several years going by, or someone like Fern, who's like, no, that's that's way too long that we have to wait. So I think even though it's not the most exciting vessel, it's it's an appropriate one for the type of story that they're trying to tell. So I I personally am enjoying it. I actually didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I am, but I think it's um, a very beautiful story that they're starting to build up. I know. I, I think Freeran is the perfect choice of character to focus this story on because, of course, she's an elf who has a lifespan of nearly 1,000 years or, or more. Um, so there's a lot that she sees throughout her life, but it's not like she can have any real attachments to it because of her lengthy lifespan. Uh, so I, I understand the focus of the series in that regard. Um, it's just that sometimes at its its low point, it feels like, uh, what was that show called? The, the, the detective is already dead, where like the exciting parts have already gone and we're left with the aftermath and it doesn't feel as compelling and it kind of makes us wonder what the exciting parts would have looked like but again looking at it from the perspective of how Freerun says it's like that 10-year adventure she had with these heroes was kind of just like a blip in her entire life story um, it, it does again make for an interesting concept as she kind of learns about the, the things that you mentioned with regrets uh, with learning to move on and even like passing what you've learned on to others. Um, and the story does pick up when Freeran faces down the demon threat towards the later half of this first part, like episodes eight through 10. Um, so I, I guess if the, it, the show keeps the trajectory going, um, I think I'll become more invested as, as it goes along. Um, it's just, <laughs> I feel like, Freeran and, and Fern were kind of just sauntering in this beginning just because there's not much for them to do uh, with the heroes gone and and the world at peace, at least for now. We do have to give Madhouse mad props, though. I think despite how we all feel about Freeran, the story, um, and, you know, the way the story is told, at the at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that the animation is fucking phenomenal. Like Madhouse is doing mad work. This is a show that I think appropriately looks very delicate and, and beautiful um, and light. And the colors are just so like soft and nice, but still bright at the same time. There, there's like a level of comfort to the visuals of this anime. And that is super appropriate for the story that's being told. But even then, you can tell that there is just so much detail and, and so much time dedicated to making Freerun look really, really good. 
I like how you use mad a lot in your description. Mad props to Madhouse for <laughs> their mad work on this. Uh, yeah, I would say it's the animation, the aesthetic is very simple, yet it feels refined. I, I wrote here that it's almost like w looking at a, a detailed children's coloring book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's nothing along the levels of something like Jujutsu Kaisen or Attack on Titan, which just wrapped up that journey. <laughs> that journey reached its end last week. Um, but I don't think it, yeah, like you said, with, with the way that this story is unfolding, I don't think it needs to be like bombastic in its visuals because... It, it's more focused on character arcs and, and kind of the the pangs of emotions that some of these characters are feeling. Right. And I think that's super important to acknowledge that just because an anime isn't full of action scenes um, or fight scenes or what have you doesn't mean the animation isn't being looked at very carefully and doesn't mean that the animation takes a lot of work and dedication. Because with free rent, even though most of the time, as we've already mentioned, the characters are standing or walking or talking, it's the small details that blow me away. Like how the slightest head movement has a character's hair flowing naturally. Um, or like the way that their fingers move so fluidly or the way that they walk. So like the animation, the, you know, the, the walking animation looks so incredibly clean. So I think the, the benefit to having a show that's not flashy, um, and in your face with with its action sequences is that you as a viewer have the opportunity to look more at the finer details because they're not whizzing by on the screen. They're walking slowly so you can appreciate how fluid and clean the animation is for their feet. You know what I mean? Yeah, unless the, the slow sauntering kind of puts you to, <laughs> to sleep like it did <laughs> for me a couple times. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's still a pleasant series to, to watch um, as you see these yeah you know, these kind of sweeping yet very simple and elegant visuals also have to call out the, the music for this series it's it's composed by evan call which i know like kevin pankin is a well-respected western music composer for anime um, but I, I feel like we need to give evan call his due as well uh, I know he's done, he's done Violet Evergarden um, in the past. My Happy Marriage, which I think you were watching this year, and now Free Run. But I love how the music can feel very folksy at times to fit in with the setting, which, what like fantasy RPG setting world that we're in. Um, and also having, I think in the first episode, very triumphant music, you know, signifying like the the end of this battle and the sort of victory parade for the heroes. Uh, the way that just some of the songs here are, are composed to really fit with this world. Uh, gotta gotta give some compliments to to that. So yeah, I, I feel like I need to pay attention more to any series that has Evan Call behind its music now. It's funny that you mentioned that because. Normally, I don't notice the music, but I definitely notice the music in Free Run. It sounds so nice. And pretty much the entire week, I've had like one particular song from Free Run stuck in my fucking head. <laughs> I can hear it right now as I'm talking too. Um, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's the one, 
that's like really chill and like a, a violin comes in and like plays like a tune or whatever i don't know i'm not doing it justice you're looking at me like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> yeah i mean i wish i had the track listing for this anime but i don't believe it's available on the music streaming services yet but yeah i mean if it if it does end up on there i'm sure there will be some tracks i'll add to my anime spotify playlist and since we're on the topic of music before we head into the meat of our discussion uh, let's briefly talk about the op and ed for free end so op we have yusha or translated as hero by none other than yoasobi okay honestly yoasobi don't miss yoasobi has such fucking good anime music ops eds um i mean most recently the one that i can think of is idol oshinoko mm-hmm. so fucking good um yeah this one is great too like i i i really like it it's uh it's a little unexpected for free run just because of like the type of show it is because her her there it's two people right yosobi yes it's ikuta and oh god i'm blanking on the other half of the duo I'm looking up right now, uh, pr- uh, producer Ayase and singer-songwriter Ikura. Yeah. Okay, um, so they, um, their music tends to be a little more like, I don't know if EDM is the right word for it. Um, yeah, I would say it's uh, J-pop, EDM, yeah. electronica kind of mix. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way to describe it. And that's not what I would initially think for Free Run, but it's it it works. I love the song. I think it's really good. I think it's just standard Yoasobi fare as the group continues pushing into the realm of performing songs for anime. But yeah, it's still a vibe. It's, like you said, unexpected, but I think it still in a way fits in perfectly with it being an opening for Freeran. Um, really quick, the part that I love the most, and this is similar to Oshinoko, is at the end of the song or the OP version of the song when like the choir comes in and it just kind of builds and feels really grand. I think that's really cool. That feels very like free run esque. In terms of the visuals for the opening, you have this sort of blue outline animation prevalent throughout the visuals um, used for the hero companions that Freeran accompanied in her previous years. Um, that that sort of aesthetic is almost evocative of the memories of what came before that's contrasted later with the color of the present timeline as we see characters like Fern and Stark appear. Although we still get various shots of the previous heroes of Flame, um, Freiren's master or mentor, <laughs> actually. Uh, and... There's a a blonde elven character and this Yandere-looking elven character that's perched on a throne. I know we haven't been introduced to them yet. Isn't the one on the throne... Oh, was it an elf? I thought it was um, the... Aura? Yeah, Aura, yeah. No, because, yeah, Aura looked more like Iron Mouse. <laughs> um, this one, or this character does not. Okay. So I'm sure we'll be introduced to that either in our in the second part or towards the later half of the series. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it's like standard visuals, but pleasant to watch. Lyrics-wise, for the song, Yusha, um, it feels like it's written from Freelance's perspective as she sort of thinks back to her adventures with 
Himmel and the rest of the crew and how she will carry their memories moving forward. So you have lyrics like the story ends and the hero goes to sleep, leaving this land with days of peace and quiet or however your words, your wishes, your courage, even now they are surely alive inside me. So again, her carrying the memories of her fellow comrades as she goes beyond the journey. And ED-wise, we have the song Anytime, Anywhere by Millet? Millet? I always try to make a point to figure out how to pronounce this artist's name, but I always forget. Yeah, I don't I don't know, but I didn't even realize that it was... We'll say Millet. I didn't realize it was Millet. I feel like Millet has a very diverse singing voice because if you compare this ED to the Vinland Saga ED... The one, was it Drown or whatever? Yeah. It sounds like a totally different artist. I had no clue this was Millet. Visuals-wise, I think it's just, it just flowers. Just flowers everywhere for this one. <laughs> yeah, I kind of found this one boring. Like, again, it's it fits free run, but for me, I was, I don't know. It was, it was all right. The, the song is okay. The visuals are kind of boring. It's pretty, but it's to me, it's a little boring. Yeah, I, I still think that... Vinland Saga ED that Millet <laughs> did is <laughs> it, still the best, but I know that she's done Ranking of Kings. I think she's done one of the, the EDs for that show. And then another one after that I am blanking on. Um, I'm on her Wikipedia page. It's pronounced Mire. <laughs> Mire? So kind of like um, like like a French pronunciation. <laughs> so I feel okay. very stupid. Okay, I have to commit this to memory the next time. We'll Mireille. probably forget again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Someone will have to remind me um, for whatever <laughs> show that we talk about. Uh, but yeah, I get, lyrics-wise for this song, I think it's also, again, from Frieden's perspective, kind of thinking of what was and what could have been. And th- that theme uh, or concept of regret that we see in the series, um, or to sum it up in one phrase, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. So you have lines like, so if I were to be born again, I would surely choose this place once more. Or I think the last line that is sung in this ED is, I'm whispering a lullaby for you to come back home, which I think is spoken in English. It's just that the way that she sings the word home, home i don't know does it sound kind of i don't know if weird's the right word but like something about it just seems off i mean maybe the pronunciation pronunciation of the o but uh, you know it's i'm sure like english is not her first language so she's yeah, doing the best with it it's always going to sound a little interesting whenever a non-fluent um english song is whenever an english song is sung by someone who's not fluent in english (laughs) and this is no exception still a good song though um i might not add it to our anime oped playlist or maybe i will you know just to to keep it consistent um but yeah that's anytime anywhere by mire keep repeating that mire (laughs) but all right strictly fam it's time for the journey to end as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for Free Ren Beyond Journey's End. 
The 2023 anime adaptation of a manga series written by Kanehito Yamada and illustrated by Tsukasa Abe. Produced by Madhouse and directed by Keichiro Saito, the series follows titular elven mage Freeran as she tries to find meaning and purpose in her life following her hero party's triumphant defeat of the Demon King, taking up an apprentice along the way. In episode 1, The Journey's End, the Demon King is no more, and so they all lived happily ever after. The end. Or so we thought, as we follow Jimmy Himmel's merry band of misfits, Creepy Priesta, Anime Gimli, and Free Run, as they rest on their laurels after their 10-year adventure that we are to just assume was fruitful and perilous. As they reflect on their journey during a bicentennial meteor shower, Free Run decides to use the remaining 1,000 plus years of her life to search for magical recipes. Too bad the rest of them are close to death's door half a century later, starting with Jimmy Himmel himself. Free Run is subsequently inspired to learn more about these strange creatures we call humans, and what better way to start than with a real-life magical Gen Z specimen itself who can lean with it but not rock with it. Um, so I'm not going to lie. I wrote notes on episode one and then I lost them and we watched this when it aired. So I don't entirely, entirely remember the details of the first episode. But what I do recall is that I immediately was drawn into this concept of beyond journeys. end. I didn't really, I kind of figured what that was about, but I wasn't entirely sure. But after watching this first episode and seeing the setup, I'm like, what a cool way to start a story because you always hear about or you you always watch the journey itself and then there's a resolution like in the last episode and then the anime or the show just ends. Sometimes there's an epilogue. You get a little taste of what the heroes or whatever are up to after the fact, but nothing to this extent. And I love that it's both a, um, a story about what happens after a journey is completed, but also what that journey means to somebody as they move forward in their life. Like, I, I just think that's so cool. And that might be one of the reasons I, I've been really enjoying Free Run is because of the way that the creator is telling this story through memories of a journey we didn't get to see, but we're kind of putting all the puzzle pieces together to get a feel of what the the vibe was yeah i guess on the flip side this feels like watching the last episode of a series and not knowing what the fuck has happened yeah (laughs) (laughs) if you don't have any context for it which we kind of don't here but i feel like with this first episode you still build somewhat of an emotional connection with these characters despite the short introduction and it may just be a testament to how well written this first episode is, uh, but I'll give it props for that. Um, and uh, yeah, th- this concept with Freeren, her being um, of a species that lives for thousands of years, um, and and not understanding like the sentimentality of the situation they're in, where they they've been victorious in defeating the Demon King and and now they can live the rest of their lives peacefully. I think she says, like, this 10 years or something is like a, a blink of an eye for her, so it, it doesn't matter for her in the scheme, a big scheme or bigger scheme of things. But this kind of makes me think of uh, the, the cartoon regular show, um, the character Skips, 
I think he's also a, I think on the show he's like an immortal being. And so people come and go in his life, but he has that sort of sentimentality about him. And so that's different from Freeran. And I don't know if it's just because, again, she's from this elven species and they don't have those sort of emotional attachments, but that's something she learns here with Himmel's passing is that concept, that theme of regret and having regretted not being closer to Himmel or these other heroes. And I think that's what kind of informs her beyond <laughs> beyond the journey's end of what she wants to do with her life and how she wants to see things. Yeah, when she cried at Himmel's funeral, I was like, ah, okay. The, I, I get what type of story this is going to be because it wasn't like she was crying because he had passed away. She was crying because she had wasted those 10 years not getting to know him and then wasted the subsequent however many years. 50 years, I think. 50 years um, not getting to spend time with him after they had spent so much time together. Um, so yeah, that was like, because well, when she was crying at the funeral, I'm like, okay, she's sad. But then when she opened her mouth and said, like, I, I don't know anything about him. I've never learned anything about him. I was like, ah, okay, I see where the creator is going and I am interested. Before we move on, I just wanted to point out the very notable voice cast for this anime. So starting off with Freeren, she is voiced by Atsumi Tanizaki, who we know as Emporio from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, as well as Anya from Spy Family. But I feel like I hear more of Emporio's voice in her interpretation of Freeren here. Uh, we also have uh, Fern, uh, the apprentice that Hyder gives to Freeren at the end of this episode, voiced by Kana Ichinose. I think the only notable role, role I have for her is that she played Tuesday from Carol and Tuesday, and she was also the main character in Weathering With You, if I uh, have that correct. Yeah, she was Sasaki in Weathering With You. We also have Himmel, played by Nobuhiko Okamoto, which you, Courtney, should be familiar with because he is the voice of Bakugo from My Hero Academia. Hell yeah, Bakugo, although he sounds uh, way more polite and kind. Yeah, so very different tone of voice for Himmel. Um, Haider is voiced by Hiroki Tochi, who I don't really... I think I've heard of or heard him voice in any recent anime we've done. I guess in the original Hunter Hunter anime adaptation, he was the voice of Jing. So that's pretty interesting. Um, and then Aizen is voiced by Yoji Ueda, who we also know from JoJo as Robert E.O. Speedwagon, Speedwagon, and Ranking of Kings as Bebin. So I, I never realized Bevan was the same voice as Speedwagon. In episode two, it didn't have to be magic. As Freerun learns the trials and tribulations of tutoring a young magical buck like Fern, she tries to help Creepy Priesta find the secret magical recipe to immortality, though the grimoire in their possession was nothing more than a medieval paperweight. Creepy Priesta dies anyways because it was an excuse for Freerun to chaperone Fern, 
who questions her new master's insistence on looking for low-risk, low-reward magical flower recipes, but realizes it's so she can honor Jimmy Himmel's memory and stave off elven dementia. And thus, their Jedi-Padawan relationship begins to bloom. I love how Hyder is big brain um, in this whole scheme of getting Freerun to essentially take on Fern as an apprentice by by convincing her that this grimoire has, you know, a spell for immortality and he wants to live forever. Um, even though Freerun was like, well, okay, but like if you're apprentice or if, if Fern um, is going to hold me back. I'm not taking her with me. But then lo and behold, she's trained enough so that she can go with Free Red. I love I love what Hyder's doing here. And when we get to it in a few episodes, I love what Aizen is doing here because they're the ones who told her at the end of the journey, take on an apprentice. There's more to life than just being in solitude. You have a lot that you can offer to somebody and there are people who can offer a lot to you. Although I feel like Freeran's going to have to take on many apprentices throughout her, her lifetime um, because, you know, I'm Fern's just going to get older um, <laughs> as the series goes on. Um, but yeah, I guess it's it's more so that I think Hyder and Aizen, again, have that uh, long-range plan for, for Freeran so that she has a companion when, when they're gone. And again, it goes back to Freeran passing along the knowledge that she has learned, especially in in teaching Fern, because she has that capability of using magic to its fullest potential, um, making sure that she is experienced enough and well-equipped enough to, to do that. I love how it's all mutually beneficial as well. It's not like Hyder is tricking Free Ren for his own benefit or even just only for Fern's benefit. Like there's so much that makes sense here for her to take on the, these apprentices because, um, you know, Free Ren is obviously incredibly skilled and incredibly experienced with all of her many, many years of fighting monsters and learning magic. She can offer so much to other people, to apprentices who can then take that knowledge and help other people or teach other people. Um, it's tapping into the wealth of knowledge that Freerun has. And then on Fern's end, Fern has somebody that she can can be with, um, both as a, a companion and someone who can protect her and someone who can teach her after Hyder's passing. And then, you know, what Freerun kind of gets in return there is not having to be in solitude, but also... Um, she has people who care about her even after they pass away because if you think about it, Hyder and Aizen don't have to do this, right? Like if Rerun's kind of mentally checked out at this point and doesn't see the value in their long-standing friendship, they could just say, okay, well then you go off and, and do your journey and whatnot and you know, we'll, we'll certainly appreciate the time we had with you, but we'll leave it at that. But that's not the case. The, one of the themes here is meaningful relationships. Hyder and Aizen very much value the relationship that they had with Freeran, even if she doesn't immediately value that as well. So instead of just saying, thanks for the journey, we'll see you later, they're both wanting to make sure Freeran is well taken care of, especially when you live such a long life. It probably does get lonely um, knowing that every meaningful relationship you have, you're going to be the one that sees the end of it and you're going to be alone at the end of it. 
I think that ties in with something that happens in the later half of this episode. Uh, I know we just said like Freeran kind of oversees Fern's training, but Fern notices that the the work that they're doing, um, they're not really using their magic for anything pretty productive. Um, in this case, I think Freeran was looking for like a, a certain seed for like the flowers to plant at um, a, a statue in honor of the heroes. Um, so I, I think in that it ties in sort of with what you're saying about Hyder and Aizen wanting Freeran to, you know, have meaningful relationships once they pass. Because I think the village where they go to, they have a statue of Himmel, but it's covered up with like ivy and it hasn't been well taken care of because it's like the village is so far removed from the threat of the demon king that was brought about on in the world 50 or so many years ago that they kind of forget about himmel's like valor and, and the hero's valor in, in defeating him and so in this case it's kind of like firen knows the sentimentality of honoring her friend's memories um, as, as a way to kind of repay them looking out for her in the future. Yeah, and another way that she pays tribute to Hyder is uh, after he passes away at, at his grave, she pours not one, but two out for him. And I'm like, okay, she knows. She knows full well he's an alcoholic and uh, pouring one out for him is just not enough in that situation. This is also the episode where we start to see the the relativity of time if that's the right way to say it because you have fern who's frustrated with free ren um understands her hobby of wanting to collect magic but thinks that free ren should use some of those skills to save people and do it in an urgent manner whereas free ren's like well i can just kind of hang tight for 10 years and then that's like nothing for me um fern is like i don't have the luxury of time that you have um, there's a lot that can be done in those 10 years versus you just kind of dicking around and collecting magic or hanging out in a town. Um, there's also a lot that I'm going to miss out on if I use 10 years the same way you do free run when you have the luxury of being alive for over a thousand years. In episode three, Killing Magic, Fern notices that free run is a raging shopaholic but only because she's buying a BFF gift for her young Padawan's day of birth. The Elf Everlasting then embarks on her next side quest in revisiting a former village battleground to defeat a slumbering enemy once and for Qual, thanks to Zoltrak's software update 14.0. The village elder thanks her for her valiance, and probably some other parts of her too, while Freerun offers her thanks to Jimmy Himmel for believing in the him that believes in her. Another part of the storytelling that I really appreciate um, is that nothing happens overnight. Time is very, very important in the show. And here we have Freeran, who in the first episode cries at Himmel's burial because she she didn't bother to learn anything about him or her companions and that, that hurts her. But yet she's been with Fern for a couple of years now and she still hasn't learned anything about Fern. It's like she's mm-hmm. she's trying, like she's starting to make some of the changes, but also because she's lived such a long life, there's there's less urgency overall for Freeran than there would be for a human. 
So she's not immediately making changes. It, it Like any person, sometimes change happens, but it takes a little while to get into that new groove or to commit to that change. Um, or it takes a couple of times to, to practice and, and get it right. So here she's acknowledging Fern's birthday, but right, this is the episode where she... Yeah, she goes shopping and then buys her something. But yeah, I don't think Freya knows Fern enough to know like the things that she likes. Because yeah. like you said, she's not... Like for one, she's not one to understand people's feelings, and second, like you said, um, it's it's a learning process for her. Especially, I think this is where, or maybe it had done this in the previous episodes. Um, the episode keeps count of how many years it's been since Himmel's death, mm-hmm. um, and the number it's slowly but surely going up, like as episodes move along. Yeah, it's creeping up to 30 years, or maybe it hits 30 years by the time we get to episode 10. Um, but yeah, it's. It, I think what's important to note in the birthday sequence is that Fern knows what type of dessert Freerun likes. Just like in Freerun's memories, Himmel knows the exact type of dessert that Freerun likes because they value the relationship a little bit more than Freerun does and they're taking the time to learn about her and she's not doing that and so she's kind of repeating history but then at least acknowledging it the second time it happens because in the the memory with him she's kind of like oh okay like you know my favorite dessert like that's cool I guess but with Fern she's like oh okay you know my favorite dessert but also that means a lot to me and I should try doing that more with you it goes back to again this concept of honoring people's memories because uh, like in the episode prior with with the statue kind of the statue of himmel going to ruin um the, that memory is not being kept alive very well by the villagers but you know freon has that connection to to himmel to Hyder, to eisen to these characters and so simple things like just remembering what people's favorite desserts were that's a way you can honor honor a memory um and keep their legacy is kind of moving forward in a way where their legacy might not be held up even with statues being built up for these characters. There's a lot of talk about magic, but this episode in particular kind of sets the stage for the concept of magic in this world. And I love it. I love this concept of magic developing and growing through through like research and over time and like the creation of new spells. And you get that in the the whole qual thing where like back in the day Zoltrak was the most powerful powerful thing ever but after it was introduced by qual humans were able to research it make it better and now it's like the most basic as fuck magic skill <laughs> that any mage could learn um for combat i i just i love that i think that's so cool and it kind of plays into freerun's hobby of collecting spells because there are spells being created all the time for even the most mundane of things like making a snow cone. Yeah, I guess at first it just sounds like these characters are too OP for their own good. But I guess on the flip side, it's it's good that this society didn't rest on its laurels and, and weren't complacent um, in, in making technological or I guess magical advancements. Um, so I think it's kind of synonymous with our, our real world where technology has grown at a rapid rate and now we have better devices to do the things that we 
normally couldn't do in the past. Uh, so I think, yeah, with, with the Zoltrek being developed so much, because I think it's been been 80 years since the Qual's sealing and he comes out and he basically dies again. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a very rapid succession of events, but yeah, I guess advancement is always a good thing. In episode four, The Land Where Souls Rest, for Free Run's next side quest, she decides to do her part for the environment in exchange for a fake forgery of Flamenco, her former facilitator. Too bad Flamenco didn't teach her how to be a morning person because Free Run soon realizes how important the sunrise was for her hero friends who have recently sunset. She and Fern decide to visit the last hero to sunset, Anime Gimli, who tells of the magical afterworld of Oriola where she can chum it up with the ghost of Himmel past if she can find Flamenco's factual forms of fascination. Freerun asks Anime Gimli to come along and ride on their fantastic voyage, but he declines since he is old as shit. Okay, is it pronounced Flamme or Flam? Oh. I So I'm trying to think of like how they pronounce it in the anime. And I think the way they pronounce it sounds like phlegm. <laughs> it's like kind of gross. Phlegm, like, yeah. Things in your throat. yeah. I could be wrong. but So I assumed it was pronounced phlegm but who, or flame. I don't fucking know. We're going to no. butcher it. So we're, we'll pick whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to figure this one out. Um, but yeah, episode four, I mean, it's kind of a lot of the same themes. We get that soft introduction to to flom um we get uh, to see eisen again but really it's a lot of like us continuing to learn about free run living with a lot of regret um and her slowly realizing that no amount of time is too long or too little to appreciate the people in your life or appreciate the experiences that you have the sunrise right yeah that's that's yeah again honoring memories of himmel and the hero so uh yeah, we get a little bit of the same same here. And I think this is where, like, me watching these episodes, uh, my attention started to falter a bit uh, because <laughs> it's the traveling and talking um, and the sauntering kind of peppered in with that. Um, but I think the interesting thing here is with the mention of Oriole, which I think is, yeah, it was mentioned in episode one. But here it's this sort of concept of like a, a real real world afterlife that you can visit. So I'm sure it'll be an opportunity for Free Ren to speak to, again, a visage or I don't know if like it's an actual corporate entity of Himmel and kind of state her regrets and, and find closure with her friendship with him and maybe even of hider or or flam um but yeah this is one of the more interesting things that is brought up in the show that i'm looking forward to seeing like when the, her party which right now is consisting of fern and stark um when her party reaches oriole what's going to happen there in episode five phantoms of the dead despite the 10-year oriola contract Fern decides it's a great way to waste her life and joins Freerun on her journey's beginning. Their next stop is a town literally haunted by their past, which is just a ploy for Fern's skill and character development. 
Their next next stop is to slay a dragon that's guarding a magical recipe book that Freerun wants to get her grubby hands on. So they recruit Anime Gimli's young chicken shit ward, not Tony Stark, for assistance. But though he cannot lean with it, he certainly can rock with it. Um, I really like Stark. I don't have much to say about him at this point, like by episode five, but I just like his character because he is a fucking coward he's a stark contrast no pun intended um to the deadpan nature of free ren and fern i'm like finally someone who's got a little life behind those eyes (laughs) and don't get me wrong i like free ren i like fern but the two of them are both very deadpan at times they're both very very calm um they have their moments of of comedy which is great but stark is like that breath of fresh air <laughs> cuz he's like the most out there character we've been introduced to like everyone else is pretty stoic to a certain degree <laughs> and stark is like what the fuck <laughs> i love him i think he's going to be my favorite character yeah now that you bring that up i think that's another reason why like i i found this first part to kind of drag a bit is just listening to free ren and fern talk it's almost like what's that show that i hated last year um uh indecipherable aharen yeah aharen okay yeah now i'm getting flashbacks to that so yeah i think you know as as those two characters are having conversations throughout these episodes um i think that (laughs) that kind of contributed to me like almost falling fast asleep watching these uh but you're right stark is a little bit of a breath of fresh air here um it's interesting that you know he kind of has this facade of being a hero but is just really a big coward but doesn't realize his potential right and that's something that free ren helps him to realize i think maybe yeah not in this episode but maybe the next one um as he kind of thinks about the lessons that Aizen was trying to impart on him. Um, Stark is voiced by Chiaki Kobayashi, who was also the voice of Gabimaru from Jigokuraku or Hell's Paradise from earlier this year, as well as Edamame or Edamura, <laughs> nickname Edamame from Great Pretender. Uh, the, the Netflix series that we reviewed way back in the day. That's a throwback. In episode six, the hero of the village, not Tony Stark eventually has a change of heart and decides to play the Game of Thrones to live up to his fearless family name and inadvertently slays the dragon with minimal effort because he got that dog in him. The anime duo now becomes an anime trio as they move on to the next one but their checkpoint is closed for two years because of some, ah, real monsters in the north. Freerun is perfectly content to fuck around, but Fern and not Tony Stark are eager to find out, with the latter wanting to bring home an epic vacation slideshow for anime Gimli. Fortunately, Freerun's hero reward status causes the town to acquiesce and open the checkpoint, which is a good thing because they definitely want to save here lest they progress and lose their data. So as mentioned earlier, Aizen wants Freerun to meet Stark and then for Stark to join forces with them. Um, another opportunity for Freerun to make a companion just like Hyder and, and Fern. But what's interesting with Stark is that 
he's a coward, which then reveals that Aizen was also a coward, but overcame that to fulfill his duty as a hero, but never really, I say he overcame it, but he never stopped being a coward. He never stopped having fear and saw fear as a positive thing um, in his goal of, of becoming a hero and you know, saving people. So it's something that Stark is still working towards, but that's the parallel between Stark and his, not master, what's the word? Mentor. <laughs> his mentor, thank you. Um. So yeah, I, I like the slow reveal about Aizen through Freeran learning about Stark because Aizen is, I think, the one character, so of the main heroes, Aizen is the last one that we really get to learn about. We've already learned a lot about Hyder, and we're learning a decent amount about Himmel. So it's nice to see that Aizen also has a lot of unique qualities to him. Yeah, I really like this idea of fear as as a motivator, which I think you know, out of context makes it sound like you know uh, being in a corporate job where you're afraid to be fired. So that's what motivates you to to work harder, but here like in terms of like being a hero it's interesting because you wouldn't think of fear as a quality of a hero but in this case you know like Aizen mentions that it's it's a way to kind of fuel your fire um instead of you know obviously confidence is is a huge part of that but i think fear and kind of being backed into a corner it almost makes you give a bit like it gives you a bit of an adrenaline rush which is technically what happens as stark faces down against the dragon like he he beats the shit out of it without realizing it and again that's where he kind of realizes his potential yeah i love that he defeated it without even realizing it at all he was like free run what the fuck are you just gonna leave me to to die here and she's like but you already killed him uh i have to say though the fight scene looked amazing I, I, Madhouse, of course, always does phenomenal work, but here they were like, hey, don't forget, we're fucking good at what we do. I think there, I could be wrong, I think there were hints of rotoscoping, which for like a moment or two kind of pulled me out of it, but overall it wasn't bad. Like, this was so much fun to watch. All of the fight scenes so far have been beautifully done. Um, like, the choreography is stellar, and this fight between Stark and the dragon is no exception. And then we have the second half of this episode, which, I don't know, this part kind of felt slow where they're, the trio is just stuck in this town and then they realize, oh, Freeran is part of this group. Let's just let her go north because she, she is a hero of this world. Yeah, I, I kind of didn't really note too much about that. Um, what I noted, I guess, after the fight with the dragon is, I think this is immediately after it, Stark mentions um, to Freeran that Aizen had said that she made their journey kind of like ridiculous and fun. And a lot of that I'm noticing through these memories is thanks to her hobby of collecting spells. Like, does she need these spells? No. Uh, but they kind of add little memories that she and the other heroes could hold on to. And I think that was almost unintentional on Freerun's part because, yeah, it's a hobby of hers to collect the spells. But I think um, the unintentional benefit was to create these memories that made the journey so special. Because you have that moment in the flashbacks where Himmel tells Aizen 
that instead of like a long and painful journey, he'd rather have a, a ridiculous and fun journey that he can look back on fondly when it's over. And Himmel, to me, kind of feels like all of the parts of Freerun that she's missing. All of the things mm. that she needs to remember, like, every moment is worth appreciating. Every memory is important. Every relationship has its value. Yeah, so I, I guess this this whole checkpoint situation does give Stark a, a nice memory um, when he begins his journey with both Freerun and Fern. Although here, Freerun kind of just passes it off. Because like she doesn't really consider herself herself a hero, um, despite this village thinking otherwise. Um, but then it it goes back to kind of triggering her memories with Himmel um, in the past. So I guess kind of laying more of the foundation for her to become a changed elf. <laughs> in episode seven, like a fairy tale, as the anime trio moves north. Freerun explains how elves don't like the sexy time, hence the endangered status of their species. But at least she's alive long enough to witness a festival in her and her fellow heroes' honor, and long enough to be arrested for disturbing the peace talks during a demonic detente between generic village number 53 and Lieutenant Aura Aura. Freerun warns that the demon envoys are a couple of guys who are up to no good and start to make trouble in the neighborhood. Case in point, whoever this drab demon in suspenders is. I love, love the concept of festivals here. I've never thought about, this is weird to say, I've never thought about like traditions and festivals in this way. So you have the old dude telling everyone about the festival celebrating the heroes defeating the demon king and free run comments by saying that humans make a fuss out of everything he replies to this by saying 80 years it's a long time for humans to forget something which is basically implying there's an importance to these festivals and it's not to just celebrate or have an excuse to like party, party. it's so that they never forget what happened and I'm like, that's, I, I don't know why I never really kind of thought about that with a lot of traditions, that there's more to it than just like celebrating and being with family and friends and whatnot. It's to remember the things that have happened because in, at least in like this context, because there's, you know, they don't have the internet and they don't have pictures and shit. The, the stories that are pictures. told. Yeah. Like documentation. Oh, yeah, like they don't have a way to document stuff, right? Mm. So the only way to pass along memories and to remind people about what had happened or to teach new generations about what had happened is to have things like festivals or to erect statues, right? Like that's the closest that you can get to documenting and, and keeping those things alive. Oh, you mean pictures like photographs? Yes. Okay, I thought you meant like th th there's no such thing as like picture in this world. Like people can't paint pictures oh of no yeah happened. no i meant like just documentation <laughs> right mm -hmm. no yeah I, I see what you mean um yeah i guess the way that okay to be fair obviously books are a thing right oh, yeah. like documentation mm -hmm. in that way but i'm talking like like the it, the the very intimate way we can document in our day and age they don't they don't have that back then or in this this world that they're in yeah i guess in the real world real world context instead of like i'm instead of festivals i'm thinking more of like significant disaster events or, or tragedies in history that are you know commemorated like I, 
I think for our generation, it was the September 11th attacks, whereas for another generation, it was the attack on, on Pearl Harbor. As time goes on, these remembrances may start to lose meaning on the next generation, but I think as is demonstrated with the way that these festivals are celebrated, like you said, it's the, the core of it is just to understand what is being commemorated, like whether it's something that we as a society should strive to achieve or avoid. Um, in, in this case, it's this idea of striving to honor the memory of these heroes who were trying to achieve peace in the land. Um, although, you know, it's 80, 80 years since the defeat of the Demon King. So is it still remembered as fondly now? Uh, or is it more of like these villagers are just there to have a good time? Um, and that's where I think Freeran comes in. Again, like how she seeks to commemorate her comrades' memories. Yeah, and to kind of go hand in hand with that, later in the episode, in, in the memory, Himmel says that he wants statues made so that the people never forget, but also so Freerun doesn't feel lonely. And I'm like, that's that's kind of a, a really interesting way to bridge that gap. Because, again, like, she's living so long, she probably can't find the motivation to make meaningful connections when she has to see everybody that she spends time with, like, eventually die. But... Himmel, like Heider and Eisen, who care so much about Free Run after the adventure ends and they want her to have connections, Himmel's way of, of making sure she doesn't feel lonely is, I guess, by making these statues. Yeah, I guess he puts it, I'm pretty sure he says this line in a more sentimental way where he says, like, we're not fairy tales, we really existed. Yeah. So, you know, even though a statue, uh, it, Again, it has that kind of grandiose nature about it for for someone like Freeran. Like you said, it can be something more personal for her. Then the episode goes into like an introduction of what I call like the demon arc for this first part, which caught me off guard at first because Freeran has been this sort of not happy go lucky, but I guess passively content character um, in these first couple episodes, but once she senses that demon in this town, uh, Lord Lugner, I think was his name, Lugner, I, I forget. Um, she, she says, like, demons are man-eating monsters, and now, like, she's on this hell-bent mission to eradicate them, which I guess makes sense because, you know, like, they, the heroes had this 10-year adventure to eradicate or get rid of the demon king, so... Like, there's animosity there, um, but it comes out of left field until you realize, like, how demons play into Freerun's backstory later on. My overall comment on the concept of demons in this show, I, I like a lot of things I keep saying, I love it. I love that they didn't go the route where it's like, oh demons like the whole concept of demons is morally ambiguous like, like do they slayer. <laughs> yeah like do they have the potential to communicate with us and can we find a way like they they touch on that right like there are people mm -hmm. in these memories or, or in this town who are like oh well, we can communicate with them we can find a way to have peace with them but i love that the creator was like nope at the end of the day they're just pure evil 
They're just simply the enemy. They're nothing more than that. Even if people try to meet them halfway, at the end of the day, as Freerun knows, they are just purely the enemy. And I think that's a smart decision because then if we start to go down this path of like the morally ambiguous enemy, like do we really think that they're the enemy or could they possibly be an ally? That I think would take away from the character study that we have around Freerun and her companions because now we're going to have to deviate and talk more about the demons than follow Freerun's journey. So the fact that the creator was like, at least at this point in the story, was like, nope, they're just the enemy. Like that's all that really is at the end of the day. I thought that was a smart move. Yeah, I guess it, it works. <laughs> you know, it mentioned demons there. I think that that concept kind of works in, in certain anime, but it's all dependent on the world that you create and so I think it's appropriate here um, where, you know, it's not like a gray area. It's pretty black and white and how Freeran sees like once a demon, always a demon. So as long as that, that lore is just established, um, I would say from the get go in, the, in this first part, then it's something that you can like you can just accept. In episode eight. Freerun the Slayer. The drab demon thinks he's hot shit until Freerun literally blows his mind and goes out on the lamb. Meanwhile, peace talks are going as well as expected, with the town giraffe getting smackledorfed by Lord Lugie, who seeks to disable the town's barrier so that Aura Aura can march in like she owns the place. Elsewhere, Fern and not Tony Stark hatch a plan to stop Lord Lugie with Freerun's help, although she tells them to swerve. The pair nearly rescues the town giraffe without a hitch and deal a significant blow to Lord Lugie, but he drops the anime title in dramatic fashion to show them who really fucking matters in this series. And what do you have it? Turns out Free Run the Slayer is right about to slay this Aura Aura bitch. So things are getting spicy with these demons and us having some some action in the show. I love it. I'm really intrigued. I'm really invested. But what I love the most, I keep saying love, <laughs> but what I, I appreciate the most, I'm trying to find other words to use here, um, is how nonchalantly badass Free Run is. This kind of ties into our guilty pleasures in anime episode that we did on Strictly Anime, where one of my guilty pleasures was kind of like that underdog situation where you have a character that everybody underestimates or thinks like sucks and then they have that that like delicious moment where they show everyone how fucking badass they are while no one doubts that free run is strong she never really shows off and never really showcases her abilities and so for her to get rid of the demon whatever the demon's name is with the suspenders drot yeah for her, for her to get rid of him so effortlessly and to say things like i'm stronger than you i'm stronger than aura like i'm stronger than you know and then like have the the action to back up those words i just loved it i thought it was so good she's humanity's strongest soldier <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then when she was like uh when when uh, fern and stark were like oh my god we need free run to handle the demon envoys and she was like nah you guys can handle it and just fucking walks off she just knows like she she has such 
a depth of knowledge about demons and about her enemies that she can identify ones that are definitely within her apprentice's capabilities. Yeah, if you didn't catch my reference there, um, I, I didn't see Freeran as like an underdog, just more like this mysterious entity, but one that you know um, can fuck shit up. Uh, and I was referring to like, like Freeran here reminds me of Levi Ackerman from a tight attack on Titan. Um, just cause like they're very calm, cool headed person on the surface, but one wrong move and you'll end up on, on their shit list. And so, yeah, she, she rocks draft shit here and we'll later see that she can easily take down aura aura despite all the like anime scheming anime like villain speech that um, aura imparts on her later on the only other thing i have about this episode uh i think at the time that this episode aired there was a lot of activity in our discord especially in terms of like using this or the the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme, which I think is from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, in terms of the title drop. Uh, so I know the English title for Free Ren is Free Ren Beyond Journey's End, but the Japanese title is Soso no Free Ren, which I guess technically translates to Free Ren, the final farewell to the dead, but in the subtitles, translates as free ran the slayer um so that's when lugner calls her soso no free ran um and that's where i guess people freaked out because he he said the thing <laughs> he said it in episode nine aura the guillotine with the town giraffe in good hands Fern and not Tony Stark learn that Aura Aura has a magical balancing act that can take away your Aaron Jaeger freedom if you're not tall enough to ride. So instead, they go after Lord Lugie and his Lady Lackey, resulting in dual duels so intense it could give Mappa a run for their money. Elsewhere, Free Run manages to hold her own against Aura Aura's army army, fueled by a rather dark and disturbing disdain for demons that are dumber and denser than dirt. Which is not entirely wrong, as Fern and Stark manage to easily overcome their own demons by the power of God and anime. So episode 9 had like the best fight scene so far. It looked fucking amazing to watch. There was a lot of action here. Um, but one of the first questions that popped into my head, especially when the one dude... I don't know what the fuck his name is. The one being rescued? Yes. Graf Granat. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> um, when they rescue him and then he's being healed by that doctor or whatever. That priest. My first thought was like, why is it that they have every type of random spell but no healing magic? Have you seen anyone use healing magic so far? No, no, yeah. I don't know if like they just haven't used it on screen, but I'm like, wait, huh, why Why wouldn't they have healing magic? Yeah, that, that defeats the purpose of, I guess, magical advancement in this world. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they'll have healing magic later, but I just thought it was odd that at this point we haven't seen any of that. But besides that, um, I think Stark and Fern, definitely the highlights of this episode. They've showcased 
everything that they've been taught and that they've been taught well by their mentors. And it's kind of interesting that um, Free Run's been around for a thousand years. She's clearly OP. Like she she's amazing at what she does. But even though Fern will never be as powerful as Free Run, she does have the advantage of being faster than her at casting spells and then ultimately overwhelms Lugner. And I, I think that's great. I think that they they made Fern clearly not as powerful as Free Run, but do give her something that she is more skilled at than a person or a, an elf that's lived a thousand years. They weren't afraid to give her that that upper hand. And I hope that that comes into play more in the show, um, the the ability to cast spells at a rapid speed. Yeah, but then it's another thing is that this trio does just seem like they're OP, right? Or like, is that like w- would you agree with that? Or like, do you think it's like what you said with Fern that it, it's developed enough with their character arcs? where it's not like they're just OP for the sake of being OP. So, I mean, free run, okay, free run aside, because she's going to be OP regardless. Yes, I think that Fern and Stark are OP, but I think that's intentional because why would Hyder trick free run into sticking around until Fern was ready to go with her mm. if Fern would ultimately not be strong enough to stand by free run's side? Because Freeman's whole point was, I don't want her holding me back. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. that's both, like, her not being skilled enough, but also Freeman having to protect her all the time. Um, and not being able, like, basically putting Fern in, in, in harm's way by following Freeman on this journey. So Hyder just needed her to wait a little bit until she was ready, but saw the potential in Fern to become a really great mage. Similar to Aizen, the reason he took on Stark as an apprentice is because he has the potential to be an amazing warrior. So I would almost expect that they are OP at a certain level. And it's not like Fern has only been working at it for a year, right? This is a multi-year journey so far. So she's had a long time to develop her skills. I mean, we saw her when she was a child, and now she's, what, in her late teens, early 20s? Okay, yeah. I kind of overlooked that point. Although, you know, this, this show, time moves so rapidly that you kind of forget like she had those many years of training and I'm assuming it's the same for Stark with, with Aizen. Uh, so I guess that kind of justifies how OP they are um, in this episode. And I, I love how you know, her, in Fern's fight with Lugner, as they're trading spells, there's a point where they're just kind of stoic in their face, facial expressions. Um, as if like they're not like entirely engaged in this battle. More so because Lugner doesn't see Fern as a threat um, and wants to take down Freerun instead. But then on the flip side, uh, Fern kind of shows like her confidence by having that stoic expression in being able to take Lugner down. It's her deadpan nature. <laughs> yeah. And then on the flip side, you have Stark who just gets the fuck back up and, and doesn't know when to quit. Um, say, says I'm still standing which is I think Aizen's secret to defeating opponents is like just get yourself up and try again both of them are basically a battle of attrition <laughs> yeah true and in the end the humans won 
And in episode 10, A Powerful Mage, in his final breath, Lord Lugi realizes that their adversaries are using mana cheat codes to hide their true power, a philosophy forged in a flashback with Flamenco as Freerun flocks into her fold after her Keebler elf village is burned to a crisp. Flamenco's last instruction to keep cheating the system against these demonic douchebags rings ever clearer in Freerun's ears as we see her recruitment thousands of years later by Jimmy Himmel's merry band of misfits to her present predicament with Aura Aura. But the demonic damsel's magical balancing act proves ineffective against Freerun, who uses the ultimate mana cheat code in forcing Aura Aura to concede and commanding her, use that dagger to kill yourself. This was a great episode, and I'm really happy we coincidentally ended this part one review on episode 10. What a fucking wild ride. It's great because we learn a lot about Freerun's origin and learning about the demons killing her village, um, about her mentor saving her, teaching her everything about being a great mage, but also told her that sometimes it's okay to do something as shameful as deceiving others. Like, I love how honest that is. She's like, yeah, it's not the greatest thing, but fuck it. If that's what's going to keep you alive and stop the demons, then who gives a shit? <laughs> Fighting fire with fire, essentially. Yeah, they're a bunch of cheaters. But <laughs> I, I don't guess, think it's cheating. I think it's no, just playing smart. It's strategy. Yeah. If you're facing against an evil threat, I think by any means necessary, it is, is in some ways justifiable. And then, of course, the episode ends on that amazing climactic moment where Free Run shows us yet again how much of a badass she is. She reveals her true mana level and then, like you said, tells Aura to kill herself while walking away all chill as fuck. Like, she just does not give a shit. I love how, like, the music building up to this moment almost sounds like the theme for Skyrim. And, <laughs> again, I have to... If the track or the soundtrack for this is ever released i want to figure out the name of this one and again add it to my anime soundtrack playlist on spotify uh but yeah there was a, a lot of context that was given to us in this episode from uh free Ren's relationship with flam flame however you want to say it to the power system behind again, magic and the way that mana works in here I think it was just interesting to note that uh, one of Flame's, Flam's, Flambe's <laughs> last requests for Freeren, um, besides planting the flowers on her grave, is she says, you must never seek to leave your name in history, live in obscurity. And do you think that is what causes Freeren to feel so distant from people? Um, because she kind of just wants to live, <laughs> this is another JoJo reference, live a quiet life? Um, Not necessarily. I think her being detached from people comes from her living a long life. And like I said before, she outlives everyone that she ever has a meaningful relationship with, so that's got to be pretty depressing. I think Flom telling her to not seek to leave her name in history is what makes Freerun feel so indifferent about being a hero about the journey mm. that she's on about statues being erected in you know in her image about her name being like glorified and that festival that's celebrating 
her accomplishments with the heroes. I think that's uh, that's also what separates her from Himmel because Himmel has that personality where he's not like a bad guy by any means, but he does like to take a little bit of the the opportunity to gloat and to to be a hero because his name is literally Himmel the hero. The hero Himmel, whatever the fuck they want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think that maybe we'll get more context to Flom's request of Freerun in that moment. But I think that plays more into just her not not eating up every moment to say, I'm a hero. Because half the time people don't even remember that it's her. It's like the, they happen to find out it's her and they're like, oh shit, you're mm. Freerun. Right. And I guess that's kind of metaphorically juxtaposed against what we learn about demons in here is that they they are prideful creatures they like to gloat and as a result they like to have humanity at their fingertips um so yeah i, I guess that's also what, i mean freeran already had uh, um, a hit out for these demons because of what they did to i don't know if it was like her home village or like just a, a village full of elves that she happened to uh, come upon, but yeah, um, she has a she has a, quite a fucking grudge against these demons, and I, I guess it makes sense given all the context here. And that brings us to our final thoughts for Free Rem Beyond Journey's End Part One. So after watching this initial part, do you think that this series will go above and beyond? journey's end <laughs> yeah i i think that there's a reason that the manga community is so excited for this adaptation and they speak so highly about the story it's something that on the surface i don't think would ever hook me but once i was able to sit down and like experience the first few episodes and get a feel for the type of story this is going to be i'm definitely hooked i'm so excited to watch more it it goes to show that as i mentioned earlier you don't need to have the flashiest anime with the most insane fight scenes you can have something as i don't want to say mundane but something as subdued and as calm and as um chill as as free run is and still have a fantastic story. What this reminds me of is Vinland Saga Season 2. Because Season 1, and not to spoil Vinland Saga, but Season 1 is very different than Season 2. Season 2 has more of the vibes that Freerun gives off. And that did not stop Vinland Saga Season 2 from being absolutely amazing. So I can see the same situation here depending on how the rest of the story plays out or at least the rest of the season because i don't think the manga is finished free, free run has the potential to be fucking amazing even if it's not the flashiest anime ever but what about you what do you think yeah, i think this series started off strong with an emotionally resonant first episode and then it kind of wavered with its subsequent set of episodes feeling formulaic in the let's go see what's out there approach. But there is a silver lining to all of that, as in some ways it highlights the simple monotony of life after you've overcome a great hurdle or challenge that Freeran is currently dealing with. Though I find the idea of Freeran guiding Fern and Stark, the next generation of heroes, in unconventional ways finding that a little more engaging as she passes down what she knows from her previous experiences with 
the group of legendary heroes to imbue them with purpose, much like how she tries to forge her own purpose moving forward from the happily ever after. Uh, the demon arc where we left off is a nice excursion into the land of anime power systems and enemy archetypes, though knowing that the heaven-like land of Oriole is beyond the horizon makes for a more interesting setup for Freeran in tying back to how she can truly appreciate life while coming to terms with her past regrets. So I think Freeran does a unique job in wanting to focus its energy on simpler character and emotion-driven moments while not entirely compromising on its adventure aspect. Though for me, like it was a it was a slow burn before I could learn to appreciate this approach. So although the journey's end hasn't been as enthralling and as captivating as I had hoped in its initial phase, though I still have to hand it to Madhouse for their artful direction of this series adaptation or this anime adaptation and also to Evan Call for the magnificent musical score, I still see the potential for this series to offer its mix of both grandiose and cathartic moments through Freeran's eyes as she continues to ride the merry-go-round of life and unravel the mystery, the beauty, and the tranquility that it provides. We're in this for the long haul. Like we mentioned, there's going to be three parts to our free run review. So look forward to the second part, uh, probably another 10 episodes in. We'll see. It depends on how the story plays out. But we're looking forward to watching the rest of this and experiencing the rest of it. I don't know what's going to happen with the manga still ongoing. Um, but I imagine that this will be just a portion of the story that we're going to get in these 28 episodes. But thank you guys as always for tuning in. Let us know what you're thinking of Free Run so far, whether you are familiar with it from the manga or you're an anime-only person like us and you're experiencing it for the first time. And the best way to do so is to join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries. And tune into Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All the links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.